0: Should the government be able to decide whether parents can or cannot take their children for private treatment? That and more shall be discussed today on episode 55 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samroff, and this dude. Tom Web. That funky, funky... Well, I'm a bit funky today
1: because
0: I didn't have a this so, <laughs> I, I have, a have to share a podcast studio funky with you. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm up to level 42 in my funkiness. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
0: well, um, we'll have to go down to Parliament then. <laughs> so, true. recently, you can't tune into the news but to hear about this uh, Charlie Gard treatment controversy story. Will you fill us in on the story and then we'll pick it apart like a bunch of libertarian vultures Not circling good. overland? Well, basically, this is another uh, another instance
1: of where um, the medical profession and the legal profession seem to be superseding the wishes of the parents. Okay, this young boy was born with a condition, a condition, uh, serious condition, uh, and it's deteriorating. And he was deteriorating to the state where the medical staff felt it was appropriate to withdraw um treatment and put them on your palliative care you know the wow. pathway to peace as they euphemistically call it I call yeah. starving someone's dead basically, basically yeah you're, you're, on yeah, pain you're letting them die. um and the parents objected to that they said you know this is our kid we want to try if there's any if there's a slim chance uh, we want to be able to, to try and take it. And they outlined a treatment that was available abroad. Not An available experimental, no. experimental, experimental treatment. treatment. So it's not been tried uh, yeah. on so, this condition. Yeah, not been tried in this condition. And on a child. I believe the parents have a condition as well that contributes to this. But anyway, um, bottom line is it's been kicked about like a football back and forth to the court. The, the, the local court said... Uh, the hospital are better for the child, better for the child, apparently, uh, to Mm -hmm. let it die. Um, The High Court then, agreed. the High Court agreed to the court, it was appealed again, and the Supreme Court has agreed with the High Court and local court's decision, Uh, and therefore the parents of the child aren't allowed to, you know, people have intervened donald trump's no, inter, well, not interviewed but they've offered to interview donald trump even has offered to intervene the, the pope again and yeah. the vatican have offered to put this child into their hospital the parents have crowdfunded about a million and a half quite
0: 1.3 million pounds they were well, able that's to... a chunk
1: of change right they were right. able to get them crowdfunding and so it's not as if they're asking the nhs or the government to pay for this stuff they're willing to do it themselves and yet, the courts and the medical profession can intervene and tell you what to do with your own child. I mean, what Not baffles, just what to do, but to force you to, force you to, allow, you, yeah, to allow it To allow, to him to allow it to die. Him to die. Now, what baffles me is apparently it's a woman's right to choose. So while the child is in the womb, it's a woman's right to choose. As soon as the child, you know. Apparently, the vaginal canal confers some sort of magical personhood or something. Well, I, I, I,
0: what, I what, think that uh, the vaginal canal confers something <laughs> magic,
1: magical. Please. Indeed, but uh, that's another story. Uh, well, usually so, I like to enter it from the other end. Get, <laughs> dude, there's nothing sacred here. Right? Okay, so <laughs> as soon as a child pops out, <laughs> suddenly it's not a woman's right to choose anymore or even any parent's fucking right to choose. Suddenly it's nothing to do with the parents. It's the medical profession and the, the, the legal professions. Now, the medical profession, I at least think, have a stake in the game. They've got something to chip in, something to offer, something to say. But at the end of the day, it's your kid. Um, but for the, the legal profession to able to come in and say... Uh, well, we're going to enforce the hospital's position. Um, personally, as a libertarian, I find that uh, abhorrent.
0: It's morally Anthony.
1: abhorrent. Yeah. yeah. Morally yeah. reprehensible. And, here, just, and more on, just fucking rhyme,
0: by the way. And they had this um, case that they were making, which was like, oh, well, if the treatment's successful abroad, he's going to be sick all his life and then he's going to be entitled to all this NHS treatment. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about, uh, we, we free marketeers are told that we're the ones that put the all mark, mighty dollar above mm-hmm. uh, human life, and here you have a bunch of NHS, you know, oh, he's going to be a burden on the system. Well, do you know what? They raised 1.3 million pounds. I think that's probably enough to cover his medical expenses for life. I don't yeah. know, but the, here, here's the thing. What this um, speaks to is, I think the reason why this is such a big story in the public mind is it speaks to a bigger sort of dilemma which we've been facing maybe since the 60s, which is there's a certain group of people that believe that um, experts should decide everything Yeah, you know, that those experts and of course the experts are in government, not the experts in business, of course, because, you know, all they care about is profit. But the intellectual class who hate the free market, broadly speaking, because Mm -hmm. they are more intelligent than most people. And yet they won't be able to make a better living than your average businessman who they're more intelligent than on a free market because they're not skilled. They think it's a terrible thing that people with practical skills make more money than intellectuals and because they can't come to power in the market they think they know how society should be run better than the market and that they should be in government and select the experts in every field to make decisions on behalf of the public in a paternalistic way because You know, people, especially working class people, they just don't know what's best for them. If you leave them to their own devices, all they'll do is drink soda, eat Burger King, uh, watch soaps. And, you know, we know how to spend their money better than they do. We know how to spend their money for their own good. And I think the reason why this story is so big is it speaks to that dilemma, which is technocrats are... The intellectual elite versus the individual right do the experts decide or do does the individual decide and i think that's why this is massive what do you think do you think that's why this is sweeping so the like public consciousness because in um, example of this dilemma
1: well it's a this is the second time um, and I think there's echoes of this, and I think this is this is fresh in the public's uh, memory. There was a case um, not so long ago now, and uh, being a bungling amateur, I forgot to have it ready on a, my... Uh, I've got it here somewhere. There was a case of a similar nature where we had a child in medical care, and, yeah, here it is, uh, Ashia King was the name of the kid, and the people, the parents were Jehovah's Witnesses, which had no bearing or relevance on the case whatsoever. But the press made a big thing about it, as if it was something in connection with your know, blood transfusions and all that. But it was nothing to do with it. Uh, but the so, the the kid's parents wanted to take the child to from Britain to the Czech Republic to get proton beam therapy uh, for treatment for a. For, uh, either leukemia or cancer and the, that that therapy was not available and on the nhs in the uk so the parents said look he's our kid we want to take him and they said no and it was deteriorating so the the parents just up and took the kid away to the republic there was a national uh, and outcry in the press, people weren't, uh, you know, having a national record, but the press in history, and they actually used the word abducted,
0: <laughs> right?
1: They abducted their own child uh, from a hospital uh, and decided to take it in the Czech Republic for treatment. For now, they didn't act out in malice, right? They acted out they, they were acting, well, it's regardless, right? It's their child, and they wanted the best treatment, and it wasn't available in the NHS. But yet. Again, medicals, you know, and I remember discussing this with somebody. And they went, oh, they went against the, the, they went against the wishes of their doctor. Well, I'm really I sorry. The
0: doctor works for them. I
1: will, yeah, exactly. I will put that up there with they went against the wishes of their fucking hairdresser, right? right? They went against the wishes of their local butcher. Okay, it's I don't give a oh, you get doctors. I don't give a flying fuck, right? The doctor is there to serve you and your family. He's there to advise and he's there to give you the yep. best possible advice. And However, the, the decision lies with you and your child. End of, in my book. So I think, and it turns out, and the, the, these people got arrested. They were arrested in Spain and held overnight, you know, when they, they could have actually been taken, you know, separated from their child. When they could have actually been there and getting the, the, the treatment already a lot earlier. And it turns out the parents were vindicated. I mean, the NHS in the end agreed to actually give the money to the National Health Service money uh, to to fund uh, fund this uh, medical treatment in the Czech Republic. So it turns out the parents were right in the end, which kind of helps. But even if they were wrong, they were still right in my view. This is fresh in a lot of people's memories. It's fresh in my memory. And yet here we have again the medical establishment, in league with the legal system, the courts, overriding the rights of the parents. Now, here's the shocking uh, revelation that I've uh, been enlightened to. You actually have no rights over your children anymore in and, and Britain in the year 2017. Somewhere along the line we've missed this, but you have no parental rights anymore. The state has more rights over your children than you do. And that is frightening. The first step of any dictatorship is to separate parental authority from the children so that they have control over your children so they can indoctrinate them. Uh, I'm going to a slight tangent here. Go oh, for it. You know, yeah, so that they can indoctrinate them into the state's way of thinking and not into their family's way of thinking or into their community's way of thinking, but into the state's way of thinking. Because we all know that the state's way of thinking is always best. Never. Ever so, it's this is a great concern to me as a football. Well, my, my daughter's old enough. she's 23 now, but I'm assuming at some point she will have her children. Um, and it's sad. And my brother has recently had a young baby, and it's sad to realize that his parental authority would be undermined by a state who really doesn't give that much of a crap about your kid you know no, it's, it's, it's just it's about get, establishing give, who's
0: boss they give a crap in the same way that a farmer gives a crap about his cows do you know what i mean and i don't mean a nice farmer i mean you know th- that way that um farmers that the factory farmers discovered that they could get more milk out of the cows by giving them a slightly bigger stall yeah. it's kind of like that here well we can get more productivity out of you if we uh, allow you to choose mm. your own profession so we'll we'll stop this feudalism stuff and we'll let you choose yeah. your own profession well, there's a bit. There's a bigger stall, you know. You're better taxed, livestock. So, and I guess,
1: I mean, the, another thing that struck me is this: this young baby at the moment uh has um, what's what is what what is the actual condition? We, we looked it up earlier, and it was a bit of a mouthful to pronounce. Um,
0: let's but it's pretty now. sick. And it's uh, they, mitochondrial DNA depletion syndrome. Now, yeah. For anyone and who's interested in, in uh, mitochondrial DNA. Now, you tend to think you've got as much DNA from your mum as you do from your dad, but actually there's also DNA around the nucleus of your cells and they are transferred from your mum's egg. So actually you have more genetic material from your mum than from your dad. Now, this um, syndrome is a is a i'm not really sure exactly what it does it it i'm trying to uh, make sense of the wikipedia page but it's a bit advanced to well be. it fucks
1: you up is what it does right. you know that's the, that's that's, the... Like, i'm not a medical i'm not pretending to be a medical expert
0: okay um so that's
1: really pretending to be someone who cares about uh, individual rights and liberties
0: yeah you're pretending to be <laughs> so, so no one's really saying...
1: anthony and i are socialists we just do this because. <laughs> Uh, we know we'll get a better audience. You know, the, the, the socialist market's saturated. Right. You know? So we thought we'd do it to libertarians. So no, look, I, this
0: raises a couple of questions.
1: No, the point I was going to make is when they said they were going to give them palliative care, and this is at the point where they didn't know if they were going to have enough money to get this medical treatment uh, abroad. They said, OK, well, look, if, if that's the case, if we're just going to let my kid die, then we want to take him home and let him die at home. They weren't even allowed to do that. Yeah, that's yeah, For fuck's sakes. Oh, but that's going to be detrimental. Detrimental, you're going to kill him. You know? That's what you're going to do, basically. You're going to put him on the pathway to peace and you're going to let them die. But somehow it's going to be detrimental to take him home. They don't even know. They don't know whether the kid's feeling any pain or, or anything like that. I mean, the mother seems to know. I heard her speaking on the Radio Force Today programme and she seems to be fairly intelligent and bright and uh, reasonably articulate. And she says that she knows a little bit more about her child than the people in the hospital do, and she's pretty sure that the kid's not in a lot of discomfort or pain. But who knows, you know? But at the end of the day, it's a parental right, and and the right of the right of the child. If there's a chance, you know, and people, somebody else is willing to pay. You know, they're not asking, forcing at the point of a gun people to pay for this. Considering you can you can kill babies in the womb uh, with taxpayers' money. You know, how's that for controversy? We'll get that one fucking going. Mm-hmm. You can kill babies in the womb with taxpayers' money, but you can't keep one alive with somebody else's money that they've paid voluntarily.
0: You assholes. They're, you know, <laughs> no, Shomer Shabbos. Shomer Shabbos. Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you a question then. Let's just take this idea of parental authority to the extreme. Okay. What if it's the other way around, and the parent wants to deny a child care for religious reasons or something like that, and that or any reasons? Oh, I don't believe in this technology because do they do the parents have the right? to to deny deny care that could save their child's life? I guess, I guess so. Yeah, you think so?
1: I think possibly so. I mean, you could argue, and it's a good question. It is a good question, Um, you fucker. (laughs) Um, You, I guess you could make the case that the child is an individual and it has individual rights. I think that's the side I've come on,
0: yeah. But does it have a right to travel? Well, this is the thing, right? See if you <laughs> see if you put your child in yeah. the cellar. Does it have a right to work? If it's if it, if at the age of three it's capable of it, right, I, okay. I guess it does. Child labor laws are ruining this fucking country. Right. So I would say that it, I prefer, obviously, um, if the if it weren't the state that was the agency that intervened, but if you say put your child in the cellar please don't it's not a suggestion and and you don't you don't give them food and things like that you're essentially letting them die you're murdering them if you are not willing to allow that child treatment that could save their life then i think you're basically forfeiting the right to the child and someone who wants to adopt the child should have the right to
1: um Adopt so them. you don't think there's such thing as an inalienable right in terms of parents?
0: Well, there might be some inalienable rights, but for parents towards their children, but I don't know what they are. Um, I think that you're basically forfeiting your right. Like, see if you put your dog outside and don't feed them and neglect him, he's not really your dog anymore. So then, if the neighbor wants to put food out for him and attract well, he kind him over, it's your property. Dogs well, are property. If you put your your stuff in the trash yeah right and then they come and take away your garbage someone can go through that and take your mm-hmm. unfinished burger and eat it please don't or they can take your kindle that you didn't need but they haven't put the because dog in the you discarded that you just said they put it outside they're not feeding it okay yeah uh, and they, they don't intend to feed it either you've basically just How gone, do you know that because with every right comes a responsibility this is what we say like see if you've got um you've got a right to have a factory but you don't have a right to pollute a river that's right? external externality I
1: suppose okay. okay right
0: so i'm saying that with why is that because you're right or you've got a right to own a river but you've not got a right to pollute the river in such a way that that pollution will go off into someone else's property and damage it yeah, How will, right? right okay with the dog scenario there's you yeah like you're, you
1: the dog and then there's your neighbor how does the death of the dog affect your neighbors
0: it doesn't but what i'm saying is your right to the dog includes a responsibility to the dog are you allowed to kill the dog if you want oh, uh, right. i'm not sure man uh, maybe if you I think that you'd be you'd be unsure around uh, putting it up for adoption and killing it if you didn't want it
1: but if it's your property i mean a dog at the end of the day is property well even it's th- that's pretty
0: controversial let's come up on facebook recently because someone discussion group saying uh, it was libertarian vegans and he was saying yeah. There would be more fox hunting and stuff like that in a libertarian society. And the guy is a friend of mine, libertarian-minded. He's not a full-blown Rothbardian okay. or anything like that, but he's very considered um, conscious about animal welfare, yeah. and he doesn't like those hunts and things. He says, well, if it's your property, you're allowed to hunt foxes, but if I come and protest, which, personally, I think if you want to do some good animal, good for animals, like protesting fox hunts is probably pretty low down on the priorities list. Really? in my personal opinion, are animals property? I don't know, man. I really don't. I think that there are different, if they are property, they're a different kind of property. And people say they're your children. But that's just a rhetorical, you don't mean, when you say it's your children, you don't mean that the child belongs to you. He's not property. The child isn't property. It's your child. Well, it's not
1: property in the same way that a chair or a table okay, or a I'm house saying, is property.
0: So we've got a continuum there. Okay. We're on one extreme. It's my wife. Well, just because she's my wife doesn't mean she's my property. Then it's um, my child, who's less my property than my wife is. Then my dog, who's less, you know, my property. Then how is her, your how is your
1: kids less your property than your wife? Your wife's not your property. How,
0: why would your child? Because because she's and um, she's. Uh, entered into a mutual contract okay right, where we surrendered part of ourselves essentially to one another so in but a, in a way, sense if I married in the sense that you've created your children right but they don't belong to you they're god they, they belong to god or okay whatever, or they belong know, to I mean, themselves they belong to themselves but they have no agency but you are a basically what you are is you're like a trust fund manager of your child what you're doing is you're taking care of that child for his future self. Yeah. Right? Which is why I think maybe in an ar- anarcho-capitalist society, if your parents really fucked you up in ways that were blatantly obvious, maybe you could even sue them because it's your property that they're fucking up. Yeah. Okay, here's, 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 here's the... the, the good, tiny, good tiny Good discussion
1: today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, here's be the tiny flaw in your argument. If you can say that the court can intervene and say that you must your child um medical treatment okay okay then by the same logic the court can intervene to say that you cannot um you cannot give your child medical treatment
0: no because the the whole point my my no
1: their, their whole point is that the medical treatment is 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 not guaranteed to make the child better in fact it may make it worse so what's happened is the court is making a decision based on um probabilities
0: well i'm
1: not talking about that i'm
0: saying if you want to let if you want to let a child die then you're not entitled to that child basically it's basically like putting the child out in the trash at which point anyone who wants to adopt that child I I think the libertarian principle would be if anyone wants to adopt that jail, they'd have a right to it because you basically forfeited, by forfeiting your responsibilities, you're also forfeiting your rights. Now, I'm sure, like, I would love that if even our C SoundCloud listeners, I know a lot of people listen to this on iTunes and podcasting apps. If you've got an opinion on this, please roll onto the YouTube video Mm -hmm. after you've listened to this. I know you're listening to it in the car on your way to work. When you get home, plug in. Uh, go to the youtube video and leave us some comments because i love i think well, this, this is been, one of the most interesting that's a, 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 topics three years, is there anybody dropped a yeah comment we've even had so five far. just um someone dropped a comment to say that they're, they've shared the show okay. Uh riley says thanks for covering this story the state loves to kill more than it wants life not only is the state a criminal gang it's a gang of murderers thank okay. you for that riley blake studio 4k would the government try mm. to kill the kid if he was black or Jewish? Now that's an interesting question. Do you think if the the kid was uh, black or Jewish, would people start making this about race? Um, is that is that is that? Yeah, well, it's a possibility that they would it's go. Say, like, well, know, so if this, yeah, if
1: this kid was white, you can bet your bottom dollar that they would, you know, that they would try and keep this kid alive. Right. I think that's that's a possibility, but it's a bit presumptuous for me to say that. But I think they could make a race. They could always make a race issue. They can make a race issue anything with race involved.
0: True. So yeah, they could say this white establishment doesn't give a shit about black kids. So how about you, Studio Four K? Uh, what do you think? Uh, leave your comment and, and we'll read it out. Yeah. And um, now this brings me on to another topic, uh, okay. which is related. He had genetic defects, I think. Mm. Um, so, what um, there's something like 24 genetic defects or, or more than that in the human genome, which is all the genes we have, that basically lead to horrendous outcomes. And most people are likely to um, pop their clogs before they enter their mid teens if they have right. one of these. Um, genetic conditions Should, so what is the view what is the libertarian view on screening people and um, embryos that have are um, are susceptible to one of these horrendous diseases that's going to kill someone off now mm-hmm. i know you're against abortion and mm-hmm. um, i'm i mean like supposing you were a couple and you were at risk yeah. of Giving birth to a child with one of these serious conditions, yeah. You could mix your sperm and egg. It's not as fun as doing it the traditional way, but you can mix mix up your sperm and your egg in a dish. Yeah. Not. Don't try this at home. And um, the doctors bake for fifty minutes. The doctors can screen the, the say you've got five embryos there. Screen yeah. them, and chew- if so. <laughs> And choose the ones that definitely won't have this uh, defect, and then put them back in the uterus. And and so so this wouldn't be a case of abortion. Well, I, okay. Um, if if that is possible to do, are you for it or against? Well, I guess
1: I'm for people's right to choose to do that if they so wish. Um, my concern would be that the state mandates it.
0: I would be for that.
1: Yeah, or that the state mandates. You know, yeah, basically that 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 would that would be my concern, and that people would. Start, okay, what? Right, there's two issues I think. One is like, first of all, screening and finding out, and what's the purpose of that? Is it to screen so that you can find out if your kid's going to have the possibility of a genetic disorder which you want to wipe out. Um... And that, that, that brings concerns in of, in of itself because mm-hmm. you start getting into eugenics. And then there's the issue of the state then mandating and saying, well, you know, you have to have this, this screen because, if, right, okay, let's say you decide not to do that mm-hmm. and you decide to go ahead anyway. Should the state be able to step in and say, well, you shouldn't be allowed, not, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to do that because you're taking a risk that's unacceptable with the child that it could end up with a genetic disorder and therefore the state's going to step in and force you to either abort that or force you to yeah basically to, to abort it you can't do that we will force mm-hmm. you to, to to not go ahead with a normal birth process because there's a chance of, of a genetic yeah, disorder or just like but yeah. i have no problem with an open free market and people saying well i choose to to choose the colour of my, my child's eyes or Since whether it's going to be... The,
0: you're for the designer babies or people's right I'm to... not for
1: designer babies, but I'm for people's right to, to right. choose that. So if to...
0: we get to the point where technologically we can, you know, let's remove that gene and put this gene inside, while well, the embryo is ah, to play in God, the womb, really. to play God, so to speak, what's the libertarian position on that? Is it a violation of the non-aggression principle to mess up the gene mess with you might actually be improving the genes of the but you're still messing with it of the unborn baby and i think if we had a magic wand and we could get rid of these 24 odd genetic defects from the human genome so no one would have one of these conditions again that would be wonderful but you know you, you but that would be in a magic wand situation you can't go around like um carving everyone open to, to hunt down the last remnants Okay, but we'll let, of Yeah, genealogy. I know. Well,
1: let's look at something that's a genetic disorder like Down syndrome. Right. Okay. There are all varying degrees of people with Down syndrome. Some people um, who have it lead a reasonably okay. normal and fulfilled life. Who's to say that that life is not valid? Who's to say that that person is not valid? And that you treat it like something that has to be eradicated. Yeah. I mean, okay, I guess Down syndrome something unnatural in the sense that it came about, or, or is it? It's not. It, no, it's, it's when it's, someone's it's, got
0: it's, three yeah. chromosomes
1: instead of two. Exactly, they just, they're just different. Right. They're just different kinds of people. And I don't necessarily see it as a disability. Mm-hmm. So, and there's lots of parents with Down syndrome children, and there's lots of people with Down syndrome themselves who would be against that, saying like, you know, what right do you have to call what we have some sort of Mm. disease and try to eradicate it? You know, Mm. we're just different, but, you know, and, and... I have I have real concerns about the morality of that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it's to do with the sort of projection where you know who you are and your yeah. capacities, and you th- you see a Down syndrome child or adult, and you think, "Oh, I'd hate to be like that." Therefore, there's something wrong with with that. But you always feel like that. Like I would like to be anyone other than myself. Like I feel yeah. like myself. I want to be me. Like even if you said I could be some rock star who I really admire. I, I like being me, like and everyone yeah. has that innate sense of that there's something precious about them, you know, yeah. um about themselves, something precious and um you're just projecting like again, you know culturally and things like that you you see people in other countries who don't have the advantages that you do, and you think, oh I, I'd hate that, but. Yeah. The the brain's a great normalizer, yeah. and whatever you're used to, it tends to be is normal. And you'd be surprised how many people in poor countries are, are happier than you are. I mean, yeah. I had a friend of mine that went to Cambodia, and he was like, oh, my God, like, the people there were so poor, but they were so much happier than people in Scotland. Yeah. Like, they were so chilled, yeah. and they smiled, and they laughed, and they joked all the time. I mean, I don't know whether it's a stereotype, mm-hmm. and it might well be, because it could be
1: somebody out there listening mm-hmm. who is down syndrome or has a child with down syndrome you know uh you always hear like on average children with down syndrome are kind of happier well you than, see you know, you know happy the, yeah parents. happy kids so i mean i don't know if that's true or it's a stereotype but then know yeah, that's what i hear and and maybe it is and they get I, I don't, attention yeah i don't think that I think it's fine for people to be able to screen if they choose i mean if nothing else it might give you the heads up so that you can prepare i guess right. nothing can prepare but you can prepare prepare so that you can go well okay i know i'm going to have a down syndrome kid, and here's how we're going to deal with it or trying to deal with it and you can get counseling and you can get you know mm-hmm. the support groups there for you sure. to help you deal with that again i'm talking about it as if it's some kind of disease but um the 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 fear or the concern is that then that leads to mandatory mandatory screening and then mandatory uh, terminations, right? Which I, I can't get behind. No, I don't think. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not any worse, in my view, to terminate a, a child because it's got Down syndrome, or terminate a child just because you can't be asked having it, or terminate a child just because you can't afford it, or terminate a child for any other reason. I don't think it's personally any more, any more morally reprehensible to terminate Down syndrome, children, But I don't think uh, it's um, morally... I, look, fine. Have the have the, the availability of the screening, but I'm just concerned about, about where it would go. I mean, I don't know. We're kind right. of off at a tangent here. Well, I mean, but, that's what we're doing a show yeah.
0: for. Like, I, I have a bunch of tangents. And I think the thing about the... I just wanted to finish my point on people being happier it's one of these things about human psychology you know if you've got an empty belly you've only got one problem as soon as you've got a full belly that's like a million problems do you yeah. know what i mean for, well triangle of yeah your yeah. hierarchy of needs i think for animals life is complete mm. when their belly is full it's like oh well i'm fed i'm happy now yeah and uh, whereas for a human being, your life only begins when your belly's full. Like now, I can now that my basic needs are met. I've got to make a choice: am I going to yeah. be a musician and poor uh, but happier, or am I going to be a information technology expert and I'll get more money, but I'll have to give up playing gigs at the weekend? You yeah. know, you you have all these choices to make. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to get in the way, yeah. balance balancing
1: too much, but you know. Where, where does it stop? If you can screen for these kind of things, do you end up with a situation where it's like, well, we don't want people who are too tall, too small, well, too I don't fat? There's too good chance child might run run suffer from obesity, you know? Um, there's all sorts of things that people might find undesirable or desirable uh, in, in terms of traits. And I wouldn't stop other people from, well, the abortion things are different. but I wouldn't stop other people from having designer babies and from um from doing the screening. But I wouldn't I don't think I'd personally get involved in it. Uh well, does I just don't want any more kids anyway. I'm not even gonna get married, don't start me on that. But uh yeah, I wouldn't stop other people from, from doing the screening. But I just have concerns about where what the end game is. Mm. Isn't uh,
0: the screening from for good genetics meant to be the dating process. So we've been you, subconsciously you
1: might I mean I don't know. Yeah I guess you when you when you're looking at uh, subconsciously supposedly when men are looking at women are looking at women who have good, good teeth, nice eyes, uh, yeah, nice childbearing hips. hips, all that bollocks. Uh so I guess that's what you're doing. So I guess you're already screening and discriminating Maybe it's something I just need to think longer and harder about. It poses all sorts of questions. We're in a rabbit hole here, I guess. Um, Save us having to get
0: the answers ourselves. By yeah, dropping we're back just our lazy YouTube. motherfuckers. Yeah, why are we asking? Comments. We're asking you. We're asking you. Come <laughs> like, swing down into the comments and let us know what you think. Educate us. Yeah. So shall we go on to our? Who can
1: make a. Can they make a good case uh, against, and then they make a good case for? We're interested in hearing.
0: Excellent. Shall we go on to our next story? We have another story. Uh, yes. sucking fucking lucky people, right? <laughs> How good
1: is it going to get, right? As if that wasn't a tremendous start. We've even got another story. Okay, Anthony. Tell these lucky people what the other story is. Well, we
0: have our special feature that, it's another Who's the cuckled doodle dude of the week? You well, were watching the Red Pill documentary last week. I night. was watching oh, the Red
1: pill, de- documentary, de- documentary. <laughs> uh, Red pill documentary. The uh, Red Pill documentary, for those of you who don't know, Cassie J, uh, formerly a self-professed feminist, um, uh, decided to make a documentary about the men's movement. Called The Red Pill. The Red uh, Pill. Controversial. Controversial. Anthony and I looked into bringing the movie here to the UK. We discussed it and it looked as if nobody would touch it with a barge pole because of the controversy it would bring. But also, feminists, oh, yeah. Yeah, feminists were, were dead against it. One wanted to boycott They hadn't even seen the goddamn thing yet, but they wanted to, to boycott it. And um, I mean, once you see the documentary, you go, well, you know, what What was it you found so objectionable in that other than somebody dared to question uh, the sisterhood? that was my, That's my take on it anyway. However, uh, in the process of watching the, the Red Pill, and I urge you, it's, it's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's available for free on Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, but if not, you can rent it on Amazon Prime uh, for about £2.99 or something like that. It's well worth it. It's a, it's a, it's a good enough documentary. Has its problems, but like all, but it's a. I think it's a really good documentary and worth watching. Um, However, they obviously interviewed a few uh, feminists to get their side
0: of the story, and uh, none of the. Am I right in thinking that none of them really knew the men's issues? Like they didn't. They didn't have a good knowledge. They didn't have a really good knowledge,
1: but they they basically stuck by the trope that the men's movement was basically full of misogynists. Uh, and that it was a hate group. Somebody actually said well, that. Well, you're in there. A- and they, yeah, you know, <laughs> they uh, they made the allegation as a matter of fact that the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, had designated men's rights activists as a hate group. Um, however, on further investigation by Cassie J, it turned out that the Southern Poverty uh, uh, Law Center made no such statement at any time that they thought that the men's rights activist movement was a was a was a hate group. This is just more, more, you know, feminist drivel. Um, however, in the course of her interviews, she interviewed who I believe to be King Kirk. <laughs> King the, Kirk. King Kirk. He, <laughs> That's a bit masculine <laughs> for him. Probably can't wait. Sorry, for, do, anyone do jazz like, hands, right. for
0: anyone listening to the podcast, that was me beating <laughs> on my chest. It's, it's, been, a, it's
1: just a bit hollow. so like somebody beating on a flute with a, a couple of straws. Anyway. <laughs> Sounds like this. There's <laughs> probably a fetish. There's probably a fetish about that summer. If we could just return to sanity for a moment. Uh, semi-sanity. Um, so, yeah, well, I've certainly got a semi. So Michael Kimmel. Right, Michael Kimmel, Kim bad Cupp, person. He's a is, bad nah, person. He's, I mean, he's just the the worst kind of male, you know, centric big mummies boy. Was it we, male we, we feminist? Called, um, you know? not just a white knight, but um, oh, it's not even a white knight. A white knight, somebody really who's on the right. You right. know, it's kind of like I'll save you. You know, he's not that. It's it's. it's it's worse than the white knight. It's, it's a soft cock. That's you know, it's, what it's, I was a to think, yeah, like, you know, It's a mangina. It's kind of like you know, a, um, a soft
0: cock. A cut. All of these
1: things. Yeah, it's, it's not a white knight. A white knight is more of the match. He's got this
0: story that he always kind of thing. He's you know? got this story that he always tells about. Well, I was in this group with a bunch of women, and one woman said, "Well, when I look in the mirror." Uh, a black woman said when I look in the mirror in the morning I just see uh, no I see a black woman who's confident who's this who's that other and one of the w- other women was there was like oh I'm really touched because when I look in the mirror I don't even see a, a white woman I just see a woman and he was like um, oh and that, that's when I realised that when I look in the mirror I don't see a man I just see a human being and that just shows that, just shows that I'm somehow gender privileged do you, do you know what
1: um, I'd not I have to say this, right? What would happen if one of these fucking idiots got mugged, right? Imagine you're the poor police fucking investigator that has to take a statement. Can you describe the person that mugged you? Well, you know, well, you know, were they black are they white? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see race, you know, so I've no idea, you know. Well, were they male or female? Again, you know, I, I don't really see gender. I don't see gender. I don't see race. I don't see. I don't age. presume their you know, gender. I, I, I don't even know if they're a human being. You know, I, I, an organism. You know, mugged me and took my wallet. Fuck off! You know, like, how, how the hell are we supposed to find the person who stabbed you and took your money when you can't even give a fucking basic description of a human being because you know it might be presumptuous,
0: right? No, you but arse. But it sounds like we just don't like the guy. We should give the grounds. Well, for, like, funnily enough, I don't. he's a, he's, mm. a tra- he's a traitor. He's a, <laughs> he's tra- a tra- traitor. He's a gender yeah. traitor. He's no. a traitor to men. He's because <laughs> right. They- I think he's a traitor to reason. Okay, that's more okay. So yeah. that's the first crime. And but truth, and truth. The, the the thing is, he he was approached to head this Center for the Study mm. of Men and Masculinities, not masculinity, masculinities, mm. like plural, as though that's actually a thing. You know, they just say it like humanity. Not one masculinity is also right. Of masculinities. No. But. I'm a bit of a masculine,
1: a tease. Yeah, a tease are you? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. That was terrible. But, uh, he had an opportunity. Out, watch live shit, right? <laughs> Go for it. Sorry, anyway.
0: He had an opportunity as someone who's appointed to this center, who's going to advise the government and things like that to get the men's issues, which are really important, addressed. Mm. The high rate of male suicide,
1: homelessness.
0: the homelessness. Um, depression, uh, suicide. suicide. Uh, yeah, we said well, suicide. suicide. Okay. Um, so I don't know I if you it consider twice. this a man's issue, if you or not, but you know those at least who consider themselves liberal. Yeah. If imagine women were doing something like ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of the most dangerous jobs and the most unpleasant jobs, yeah. feminists would definitely see that as is an issue. Imagine the per- body
1: bags that were coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq were filled with women, right, and daughters instead of
0: sons. Okay, imagine that, like, so basically, okay, fair enough, as a free marketeer, I'm okay with that, you know, if you want to take a dangerous job to get more money, that's your choice, and men are more interested in doing that than women, but just in the interest of even paying lip service to this idea that feminists care about equality, these are the kind of issues that would be discussed if this centre was based on women's issues, yeah. sorry, uh, based on That those claims now instead he gave the dialogue from the feminist's point of view. Yeah, in fact, not a single person on this board was not a prominent feminist. It's a joke, yeah. Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda, and that woman that wrote the vagina monologues. What's her name, Eve Ensler? Yeah, Um, Eve Ensler, yeah. Now. It's an interesting point, actually, because Gloria Steinem was asked to appear yeah. in the Red Pill documentary, and she declined because, in her own words, she didn't know enough about the issues. Well, first of all, it's her freaking job to know about the issues. She's the most prominent feminist in the world, maybe. And secondly, if she doesn't know enough about the issues to appear in the documentary, why is she accepted a board place for the centre of the studies of men and masculinities? Um, it's just a gesture. So the thing is, if they're not talking about the authoritative text, the myth of male power by Warren Farrell, it's a farce, right? You don't have to agree with Warren Farrell's claims, but you at least need to address them and take them seriously. He's sold out men everywhere by pretending that he's addressing male issues, but he's just furthering this idea of men as abusers, as inherently violent by saying, well, the the, the pressure on men is to this toxic masculinity and all that, all these feminist talking points. Why don't you go to the men and find out what their issues are? Warren Farrell wrote a book called Why Men Are the Way They Are. And how he did it was he started 500 men's groups and 500 women's groups, and he listened to the men. And after listening to all those men, he he discovered that they all face similar issues. Yeah. So he distilled those issues into a book and said, these are the issues that, yeah. these are the issues that the center of studies for men and masculinity should be addressing, the ones that are important yeah. to men. And we hear all this stuff like, oh, history is men's studies. Well, actually it's his it story it's <laughs> story. right mm. the The whole point of women's studies was that it critiqued the pressures on women and gave them another option for being if they wanted to go into the workplace or do mm. something else other than their traditional role but the only thing that hi- history does is not critique men's role but um promote it you know you study oh that guy was a great conqueror like oh that guy you know whatever it's all about war okay all those men sacrificed for their country Mm. it's only just pushing history is just pushing male disposability basically right and it's not the same as what men's studies would be which is to say well you know these are the traditional rules that men went by. If you want them, cool, keep them. If you don't want them, kick them out. Here's what disturbs me, amongst other things. Um,
1: In this dialogue, or even lack of dialogue, serious, meaningful dialogue between genders, it seems abundantly clear to me that what is bad for one one gender will, in the end, be automatically bad for the other gender. Because women have husbands, they have sons, they have brothers, they have boyfriends, Mm -hmm. right? And conversely, men have daughters, wives, sisters. When you believe in patriarchy and you accept patriarchy, here's what you actually have to believe, ladies, if you actually believe in patriarchy. You actually have to believe, and and here, in a sense, the extreme uh, radical feminists are right. There's no point in dialogue with men because we're sociopaths. In order to be able to systematically oppress, beat down, um, hate, hurt those people who are the closest to us in our lives, who have some of the closest relationships we'll ever have, mothers, daughters, sisters, loved ones that are female, in order for us to be able to do that, we would need to be complete sociopaths as a gender. And that's that's an offensive thing in itself, um, but I, it just seems abundantly clear to me that if it's bad for men, you know, why wouldn't you want you know, if you really care about women and you really care about women's well-being, then surely half the battle, at least, would be to take care of men's mm-hmm. issues as well. Otherwise, what goes around comes yeah, around.
0: Yeah, we're all uh, we're all eating from the same pot do you yeah, know what i mean absolutely so uh this is the thing um this is just so this the whole feminism third wave fourth wave thing has done nothing I think but think on seventh
1: wave now or something so the seeds Tidal of hatred wave. and division Tsunami between men
0: and women it's more uh, more divide and conquer so i just got a quote for warren farrell here um how are men's issues as defined by feminists different from men's issues as defined by other men? Uh, feminists' define men's issues require acknowledgement of patriarchy and the power bias it gives men. And encourages men to forfeit their power. Once men are seen as having the power, domestic violence is seen as an expression of male power, leaving women off the hook when they initiate. Hence the Violence Against Women Act, but no Violence Against Men Act. Through this feminist prism, it expands the definitions of date rape and heterosexual rape but ignores prison rape. It emphasizes women's greater contributions to housework and childcare, but treats men's greater contributions to income as male privilege rather than male contribution. Now, the number of men in their life who've given up their dreams of being a writer or a musician so they could take a stable job where they knew they were going to provide to their family, including their women... Is must run into the hundreds of millions, but that's not a contribution that feminists care to acknowledge. To go on with a quote, to my knowledge, no person who has taken a non-feminist perspective on these issues has ever received significant university or foundation funding or reached Michael's level of distinguished professor in any social science department at any university in the US. Well, there's your male privilege for you. I mean, It's so important to be a feminist that you will not rise to prominence in the social sciences Mm -hmm. unless you accept that position. Neither my contacts nor my emails from readers around the world were able to identify a single men's studies course and certainly no program or degree that was not under feminist control. Uh, There are seven scholarly journals in the field of feminist masculinity studies and one, a recent one, in the field of men's studies that is not feminist controlled. The one is the new male studies. Its editor is Myl Groth, a Wagner College professor who built his reputation on the existential philosophy of Martin Heidegger. The connection between Heidegger and gender studies both felt the original truths being sought got lost in the seeking okay make what you will of that maybe i give you more of that quote than was necessary so tell us what you think what would you like us to cover on the show and um are you if you like the gender studies chat um one of our best episodes is quite recent it's called the myth of patriarchy where we systematically debunk the myth that we live in a patriarchy i would like to um I would like to encourage you to see that if you are not seen it yet. Nina Russ says, we do have responsibility of ourselves as individual independently by the gender. Where is the problem? Yes. I'm not sure what she means by that. I'm I, assuming it's think she. she. I think she means that if we have responsibility to ourselves as individuals, then gender studies become, then gender becomes irrelevant, which is what you say. You know, men's rights is as absurd as women's rights because we're about individual rights. We're about the r- rights of the individual, and those are um, the same for all individuals and uh, unique and inalienable. Michael um, Kimmel. Michael Kimmel, you, you are, are this our week's
1: and I think you're well in the running possibly cock a doodle dude of the year of, uh, maybe of the century of, of eternity. eternity yeah, yeah. The, king so, of the cucks
0: thank you for tuning into scottish liberty podcast share this on your facebook wall help us get to more share, share it on a house wall if you like if share you, it share that, motherfucker. share that motherfucker tweet it out if yeah. you see anyone discussing the charlie grad treatment controversy please post the video as a comment on that thread until next time Be libertarians. To be righty. Or lefty.